We're in a series called Discover Joy. Believe it or not, this is week nine. <laughs> seemed to have flown by to me. Hopefully it's been as much fun for you as it has been for me to teach this. Uh, but today's topic, as I said earlier, is going to be about growing. Growing in grace. Nine weeks on grace. This is finishing up. We'll do something else next week. But let's start with a verse that says, tells us something really important that I think we don't normally delineate or distinguish. And this is Peter's writing. It's at the end of the second letter that we have in, in our Bible called Second Peter. And he says, rather than being uh, carried away by evil, unjust stuff, he says, rather, you must... Now, he's speaking to Jesus followers. If you're not, we're glad that you're here or you're watching. But as a Jesus follower, this is a marching order, uh, command, whatever you want to call it. He said, you and I must grow. Okay, we talk about growth, so how are we going to grow? In the grace and knowledge, two components, grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if I ask you, how do you grow in knowledge, most people would be able to answer that. Well, you know, I read the Bible, I study, I listen to, uh, memorize, uh, go to church, uh, church worship services and stuff. All this stuff helps me grow in knowledge and stuff up here. But how do you grow in grace? Well, that's what I'm trying to help you with this morning. And it's not a real easy concept. So I'm going to use some different illustrations. Hopefully, it'll help us all understand what it means to grow in grace. But before we talk about what it is to grow, we're going to talk about what it is not to do. What growth is not. So growth, and you might use the word maturity or grow in character is, is, is what we're referring to. So first, growth is not how many, how many. Now, growth in knowledge, that might work. You know, if I spend more time reading and studying and so forth, I get more knowledge. But grace doesn't work that way. It's not about how many, and no matter how much time I may spend in church or reading Bible or praying, whatever, I may not be growing in grace. And that's a mistake a lot of people make. Uh, they think, well, if I just, you know, learn more Bible verses then I automatically will go in grace. Now, it should be helpful, but it doesn't mean you will grow in grace. In fact, most of you probably know somebody that knows the Bible a lot better than you do, but if I was to tell you, ask you if they were mature believers, you would say, no, they worry all the time, they're not very nice people, etc. So where, where's the disconnect? Well, they've grown in knowledge, but not in grace. Now, Good examples, in the New Testament, Jesus dealt with a group of people called Pharisees. Do you know the Pharisees would memorize books of the Bible? We talk about memorizing verses in the Bible. They would memorize books in the Bible. Were they people, mature believers? Were they full of grace? No. So it's not about how much. Let me give you kind of a silly illustration. So I want to grow physically. I want to get stronger. I want to grow some muscles. I want to get better shape. So I join a gym, right? So I join a gym. I show up right early Monday morning, and I bring my lawn chair with me. And I set my lawn chair in the middle of the gym, and I sit down, and I watch the people on the treadmill and the bicycle, and they got folks pumping iron and doing exercises and so forth. And I spend an hour there, and I'm feeling really good. And so on my way home, I eat a couple donuts. Now, have I grown any physically? 
just the opposite. So it doesn't matter how much, much. Now, if I had spent 15 minutes on the treadmill, I'd been a lot better off and skipped the donuts on the way home, right? So growth isn't about how many. Secondly, growth is not how much. How much? It's not about how much time, it's about quality time. Now, I always like to talk about this old argument. Do you want quality over quantity? Which do you want? In reality, you want both. And I use kids as an illustration. Do you want one quality kid or four kids? A lesser quality. Well, you would, I have four kids. I'll take, you know, whatever quality <laughs> that comes with them. I have four quality kids, but, but anyway. <laughs> couple of them are here, or one of them's here. <clears throat> how do you change? How do you grow? How do you mature? Now, if you look out, I've lived in Washington County most of my adult life, other than time in Portugal, and Boonesboro and Smithsburg and these places have changed a lot over the last 45 years. You know, they didn't used to have grocery stores and fast food restaurants and the other things that we have now. So there's a lot more people, a lot more houses. It's easy to see physical growth. But we're talking about invisible growth. We're talking about interior growth, inside growth. So how do you grow, mature, develop character? Grace, we talked about week one. Salvation by grace is a gift from God. So anytime you use the word grace, you need to connect the word gift with it. So the way you and I grow in grace is the same way we do anything by grace. It's a gift. This is not normal way we think. But maturity is a gift. Now we're going to talk about how to receive it and what we need to do. So consequently it's a process. Now we're going to use a passage, something that Paul wrote. Describes kind of a three-part process to growing in grace or maturing. So here is this Ephesians chapter 4. We'll read it and then kind of dissect it. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, that means somewhere along the line you've heard the gospel, the good news, and you accepted it, you believed it. Now you're a Jesus follower. You've been born again. All these terminologies we use, a Christian all right, so once you've done that, you stepped across that line, he gives us three things we need to do to grow. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. So there's got to be, you know, your life has to change. Because that old life, it was corrupted by lust and deception. Not very positive. So you've got you to discard that. Well, you can't just discard and not have anything. So instead, let the Spirit of God, the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. We said mind. And thirdly, put on new nature, created. Who's the creator? God's our creator. Created. He creates us to be like himself, like God, truly righteous and holy. So, first step. Throw off the old. Except for spiritual growth. We've got to throw off the old. So let me share, I think I've got three of these on the outline. Three things that you and I need to throw off or change 
from the way before we were believers, before we were Jesus followers, and the way we are now. First one's this. Trying to grow by doing good. And this is kind of natural. It's kind of normal. I thought about when I was uh, uh, even a young pastor. Um, quote, as a pastor, you, you do good. Um, you do good things. Read your Bible, study, pray, and all that kind of stuff. But you can do good as an obligation. Let me put it that way. Just do it because I feel like I have to or I need to or I got to do it. And probably the best way to test it is if it brings you joy. This series is called Discovering Joy. If you're doing those things and they don't bring you joy, then you're not growing in grace. It's not a result of the gift of grace. And, you know, anybody can do, do good. People that aren't anything connected with God at all do good. So you and I can do good and it not be as a result of God's grace working in our lives. And best, again, best way to test that is does it bring you joy? Or does it just feel like an obligation? It might even make you miserable. Yeah, I read my Bible every day, but it's, I hate doing it. It's a waste of my time. Well, that's not growing in grace. Now, God could still use it if you're reading it. So throw off the old first, trying to do good by being good, maturing. Now, we should do good, and it should help us to mature, but that's not the way ultimately we mature. Secondly, throw off. This is a biggie, especially with kind of church background you came from. Uh, trying to grow by keeping rules. <clears throat> so, Bible's got all these rules in it, right? And they have a purpose. I'll talk about the purpose in a minute. So, we use the word legalism. I can become a legalist. That means I got all these rules of things I do and all these rules of things I don't do. And, you know, I do some days better than others, but I keep messing up. And uh, I feel guilty when I mess up. And it may help me grow but ultimately, it's not going to help you grow. What it does make you do is feel bad, and it also makes you judgmental. Because I have my pet rules, and if you don't have the same set of rules that you think are important, then um, I'm going to judge you. Uh, Sidelight here. When I went to seminary, I went to seminary in North Carolina. Well, being going to church in Maryland... Um, smoking cigarettes was kind of a no-no. So if you're a mature Christian, you didn't smoke cigarettes. That was just what I was taught. You know, I'm 20, 21 years old. And I'm in seminary. And I see some of these guys that are in my class getting out of class smoking at the seminary. And I automatically did what? What's the matter with you? There's something wrong with you. You're not a very mature Christian. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, you, it, it turns out that almost everybody in their congregation smokes because most of the people in their congregation were tobacco growers. It was just natural for them. I went to Portugal. Smoking was a no-no in Portugal. Guess what everybody did? Everybody drank. Just part of the culture. Um, and I was taught, no, no, if you're, you know, Baptist especially, you, do, you, you don't drink. So that's what it does to it. It doesn't necessarily mature us. In fact, it maybe it's worse. It makes us judgmental. Reading from Hebrews. <clears throat> So don't be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength 
Your maturity, your growth comes from where? God's grace. Not from the rule, specifically he's talking about dietary rules. Not from the rules about food which don't help those who follow them. Most of us know that Jews weren't supposed to eat pork. So he said, whether you eat pork or not, it's not going to mature you uh, spiritually. Now there's a place for rules. The Bible's got lots of rules. Ten Commandments, so lots of rules. Parents, when your child is small, you have all kinds of rules for them, right? Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It's necessary because they don't know what's right and wrong. And so your job is to help them understand. And hopefully they mature and they grow. And eventually, instead of you having to force them to brush their teeth or take a bath, they choose to do it because they know it's good for them. So as they grow, you give them more freedom more options, more choice. Now the problem is when you give them more freedom is what? More opportunities to fail, to mess up. But that's part of the uh, maturing process. Rules are, are, purpose of rules is to seek to control. And so your child is 18, you don't have many rules usually. We were talking about this this morning though. In our house, we didn't have a lot of rules once a child turned 18, but if you lived under our roof, you came to church. <laughs> that was just one of our rules. You also couldn't get a tat. Where's, my, where's Jerry? He's not in here. <laughs> he wanted to get a tat. We said, not, not, not when you're living under our roof. Anyway, so we still had rules. Now, you're always, you're always a parent. And, uh, but rules seek to control. So let me try and delineate. Rules, even good rules, Bible rules, are, are like a flight plan for somebody going uh, flying. Now, it gives you direction, but there's no power there in a flight plan, plan is there? Where does the power to fly come from? It comes from the airplane, the engine, the motor, the jet, whatever kind of plane you're in. So God's grace is the power source. It is the engine Rules are the flight plan. Yes, we should do those things the Ten Commandments talk about. But they can't empower us and they can't grow us out of sight of God's grace. Hopefully that helps or makes sense. Uh, another thing we need to throw off, and I touched on this earlier, is trying to grow by feeling bad. Trying to grow by feeling bad. So, I have bad habits, you have bad habits. I have things I shouldn't do that I do and things I don't do that I should do. We all have those, right? So I do something I shouldn't do and I start feeling bad about it, which is natural, conscience, whatever, spirit of God. But I say, okay, I'm going to beat my conscience or the Holy Spirit to the punch. I'm going to feel bad even before I feel bad. <laughs> I'm going to make myself feel bad. And by feeling bad, it's going to stop me from doing it. Now let me ask you an honest question. Does feeling bad when you've done something you shouldn't do stop you from doing it? No. In fact, sometimes it causes you to do it some more, right? I feel so bad, I'm going to do it some more. So throw off the concept that by feeling bad, because we use this verse way back in the beginning of the series, there is no condemnation. That means no feeling bad for those who are in Christ Jesus. Later in that same chapter, Romans chapter 8, Paul writes this, who then will condemn us? Who, who, who will try and make us feel bad? And he says, no one. 
For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the place of honor, God's right hand pleading for us. So even better than that, not only should I not feel bad, Jesus Christ is in there pleading with God on my behalf. So guilt does not make you better. Guilt does not grow you uh, spiritually, grow your maturity, grow your character. So, if they don't do it, those things don't do it, which naturally sometimes we think they will, how do you and I grow? Excuse me, sorry. So let's go through the other two aspects of spiritual growth. So we have stuff we put off, stuff that doesn't work, stuff that kind of sidetracks us. And secondly, he said to put on the new. So there's some things we get rid of, but there's some things we need to add or to put on. <clears throat> First thing is this. We don't have to achieve our new life. We don't have to achieve our maturity. Again, the word grace also means gift. So salvation is a gift. Spiritual growth is a gift. I can't earn it. I can't pay for it. I can't work for it. Uh, Paul wrote this in Corinthians. <clears throat> this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, decides to become a Jesus follower, has become a new person. Isn't that amazing, a fantastic promise? We get to become something new. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This used to be one of my uh, uh, life verses years ago. Old is gone. The new has come. I'm something new. Now, you can believe it or not believe it, right? Because we still struggle with that old nature and the bad habits. But in God's eyes, you and I are new and the old has gone. <clears throat> now, let me try and illustrate it this way. Somebody has bought you an expensive set of clothes. Guy, a, a, you know, expensive suit, $1,000 suit or tuxedo, whatever. Ladies, a $10,000 dress because you can spend more money on dresses <laughs> than you can on suits, right? All right. So you have an event you're going to go to. Now you have the option to put on this new clothes, correct? Tux or dress, gown. But you decide, nah, I didn't work for that. Somebody gave that to me. I want to go with something that I work for. So you look around your house, you find some Scrap pieces of cloth and you sew together a suit or a dress. Now you go into this event, you have the option to wear your $10,000 dress or your homemade, made out of scraps of material dress. Okay. Which are you choosing to wear? Which one, put it this way, which one would you enjoy more wearing? So God says, okay, you've got an option. The old way or the new way? Put off the old, put on the new. Secondly, you don't have to, I'm going to use the word keep your new life. When my wife was typing this up, she said, what do you mean by keep? Well, we're going to read a scripture verse, and let's read the verse first, and I'll explain, uh, try and explain what I mean. This verse in Colossians says this. Paul wrote this. Your old sinful self has died. You put it off, right? It's gone. Your new life is kept with Christ 
in God. Now, most translations, instead of the word kept, use the word hidden. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't understand what it means to be hidden with Christ in God. So I like this word kept. That means it's secure. It's safe. Nobody can take it away from me. I can't lose it. Uh, I thought about this. Uh, most of us lock our cars when we go, go somewhere, right? We lock our cars. We want stuff inside it to be safe. But you have a key. Or most cars now, I don't know, some cars don't have keys. But you have a key to your car. Now, what about keeping the key safe? So we've all done this, mostly by mistake. I'm going to lock the key in the car because everything in the car is safe, right? Now, in, in, in our illustration, that's a bad thing because then we've got to figure out some way, call somebody to help us get in there. But the fact that the key is safe is a good thing. So your, your salvation in mine, your spiritual growth in mine is safe in Christ Jesus. It can't be lost. It can't be stolen. It can't be taken away. So our our salvation, our maturity, spiritual growth is kept in Christ, with Christ in God. But we have to put on something. So these are some things that we need to put on. We have to put on the new life. Put on the new life. Now this is a decision. It's not a one-time decision. When you became a Jesus follower, if you did, when you did, this was the decision you made. I put off the old life, I accept this new life, this born again, rebirth. You made that decision. But this is an ongoing process as Jesus followers. This spiritual growth is a process, just like physical growth is a process. And so, over, you know, Time daily, multiple times daily, you and I have to choose between the old and the new, doing what's right and what's wrong, what God would want us to do, what God doesn't want us to do, uh, what grows us, makes us stronger, more mature, and what doesn't. So that's a decision we have to make. Now, one big problem that you and I struggle with, I believe, is this. What we do or try and do, let me put it that way, try and do is, okay, this jacket, the reason I'm wearing this jacket is to illustrate something. This is my old life. This is my old jacket. Now, we already said we're supposed to put it off, right? Discard it. But you, what you and I like to do sometimes is we're going to add. We're going to add Jesus. We're going to add Christianity to this old life. Now, I don't know, but I don't think this probably looks very good. Does this look good? It doesn't look very good, does it? <laughs> and it's uncomfortable. It's bulky and tight and, and so forth. And that's what we, you and I do sometimes. We try and just add Jesus, and it doesn't work. So what did Paul tell us to do? He said, you have to put off the old first. Take this coat off. Get rid of that. Discard it. And then put on the new. God's grace. God's power to do what he wants us to do. And what's good for us and good for the folks around us. This looks better, right? (laughs) So, 
practical illustration. Okay, I'm become a Jesus follower, but I'm going to keep worrying about my finances, and I'm going to still use the same language I was using before, and, and, and so forth. But I'll go to church, and I'll read my Bible. I'll put this on over top. Now, Paul says, no, 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 you've got to need some changes. You've got to, you know, change the way you talk, and stop worrying about everything, and, you know, be kind to people, and don't yell at your wife, and all these other things that you and I do that we shouldn't do. Now, it's really hard to do that unless you get rid of this. Because you still have that old nature, right? I still have those old bad habits. So I've got to get rid of those to get the new. <clears throat> Simple question. If you could choose to look like anybody physically, who would you choose? I don't know. I, could, I didn't have an answer for this. Uh, most of us would pick some movie star or somebody like that. Well, I wish I could look like that person. I'd like to have a little more muscular body, but facial-wise, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. But you can't do that, can you? None of us can do that. We're stuck with what God gives us. What about on the inside? What do you want to look like on the inside? Now, it's interesting, when somebody becomes a new believer, they often pick somebody in the church they're in, that they really admire and look up to, and they try and imitate them. The problem is eventually, they see that person do something they shouldn't do, right? And they get disillusioned. So it shouldn't be a, a person here on earth. Who do I want to look like on the inside? Jesus, right? I should want to look like Jesus on the inside. And if I look like Jesus on the inside, I will do the things Jesus would do. <clears throat> But it's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. So, hard to put off the old and put on the new. So Paul gave us one other part of the process that will help us do that. And it's something we've talked about before. Be renewed in your mind. You've got to change some things up here if you want to change the things in here. So we're going to use a verse we used before, Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Be different. Notice, how does the transformation happen? Do you do it? No. You cooperate, but you don't do it. The power doesn't come from you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So I want to think like God thinks. I, I like this terminology, see the way God sees. So if I can see the way God sees, I'm going to have more compassion and kindness and generosity toward other people if I see them the way God sees them. But I can't choose... We'll use, I'm going to use the word gifts. The qualities God gives us. <clears throat> I can be kind and generous and all those things. But I'm going to use this easy illustration for me is I'm never going to be a great singer. My family laughs at me when I sing. I still sing. I'm so bad that I have a tune in my mind. If I sing it, people don't recognize it. They don't know what song it is. And finally, I explain it enough, and eventually they'll say, oh, you mean this song. And then my wife will sing it like it's supposed to be sung. <clears throat> I can't 
choose to be a good singer. Claudia, on the other hand, God gave her that gift. But I can choose to mature, grow spiritually, and be more like Jesus. A verse we already covered in this series, but a good reminder is this. Paul says, hey, you guys are foolish, silly. What's he talking about? After starting a new life in the Spirit, that means salvation by grace, why are, you, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? So I'm going to try and really work hard at breaking those bad habits and starting new habits. And we have some so-so success, so success at times, right? But have you ever started a diet and stopped? Have you ever started an exercise program and stopped? Have you ever started a reading your Bible program and stopped? I mean, the list is endless, right? So it isn't determination. I came across a term I really like when I was studying this week. It's not personal determination. It's determined dependence. Determined dependence. I came across this illustration. Kind of silly, but hopefully it'll illustrate. So I want to... Take an airplane trip. I want to fly to Florida. It's getting cold here. I want to go to Florida. So I get on the 747 or some airplane and, and takes off and we're flying at 30,000 feet and we're going 600 miles an hour, whatever it is. About halfway to Florida, I said, hey, this is great. I think I can make the rest of it on my own. Let me out. So what happens when I get out? I am determined I'm going to fly the rest of the way on my own. I'm going to sink like a rock, right? Because I don't have the power to do it. And like Peter, when he was walking on water and started to sink, my only option as I'm falling through the sky is what? God help me. Well, that's where all of us are when we're trying to do it ourselves. Power doesn't come from the rules. We need new power, outside power source. So two questions come to mind as I was uh, studying to share about this. One was, why does it take so long? Man, I've been a believer for over 50 years and I still got bad habits. Why does it take so long? And basically, I already said this, because it's a process. It's a process. But the neat thing about this process, it it points toward eternity and eventually I'm going to be there. I'm going to be like Jesus. <clears throat> Those of you who raised, have raised, we've raised four kids, are raising kids. We, our kids are 10 years apart, so we were raising kids, if you say to 18, for 28 years. We've been married almost 45, so basically half our lives we've been raising kids. Is it worth it? I came across a statistic Parents-to-be, maybe you don't want to hear this. Uh, they estimate it's about a million and a half bucks to raise a child. I told my wife, well, we'd have six million bucks if we didn't have any kids. <laughs> so the question, is it worth it? Is it worth 28 years? Is it worth, actually, you keep parenting after they're 18, but anyway, uh, six million bucks. Yes, because it's a process. Second question, how do we get started? It's simply one word. Trust. Trust what God says. Trust what God says he will do. In fact, he even says he will give you the motivation. 
two verses out of Philippians. First he says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you, that was at the point of salvation, accepted the gift of God's grace, he will continue his work. What kind of work? Transforming work, growing work, changing work, maturing work. Until it's finally finished. When was it going to be finished? Not here on earth. When Christ returns or we go to be with him. And this verse I really love in second chapter says this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire. Why do you have the desire to grow? Because God has given it to you. That's part of that grace gift. And he's also given you the power. So, anytime I feel like I should be doing something right or good, I never have an excuse saying I can't do it. I don't have the power. God also promises the desire and he also promises. So if I don't, it's because I haven't taken advantage or I haven't cooperated with him. So God gives us the want to. Final illustration. I've done some remodeling in in my life. Maybe some of you have. And some have been a major remodel. So an older building or house. So there's two parts of remodeling. There's the part you see and the part you don't see. The part behind the walls. And we have a carpenter in our first service and I asked him this question. I said, what's more important in the remodeling process? What you see or what's behind the walls? You know what his answer was? What's behind the walls? What's behind the wall? Plumbing is one thing. Heating is another thing. But the Electricity, the power is behind what you can't see. The same thing with you and I. We need to remodel the inside. That's where the power is. And God promises his power. So let's read that Ephesians passage from a paraphrase. Gives us some different terminology. Ephesians chapter 4. Here we go. You learn Christ. Good job. You're a believer. You're a Jesus follower. Paul's writing this, of course. My assumption is that you you have paid careful attention, excuse me, to him. Okay, you've got this knowledge. You're paying attention to it. You've been well instructed in truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. So somebody's teaching you the truth. You're getting good Bible teaching. You're getting good spiritual teaching. Since then... We do not have an excuse of ignorance. Uh, I didn't know any better. No. Can't use that excuse. Everything, and I mean everything, I like that, connected with the old way of life has to go. Got to go. Why? Because it's rotten through and through. You ever get a nice piece of fruit, piece of fruit that looked nice, and you opened it or cut it open, and it was rotten in the inside? Did you eat it anyway? No. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. What do you do then? Take on an entirely new way of life. This life is a God-fashioned life. A life renewed, there it is, from the inside and working yourself into your conduct, what people see. As God accurately, notice, God accurately reproduces his character in you. So if I'm to be more like Jesus, it's because God does that work on my inside and it comes out. So here's, quote unquote, your assignment for this week. What do you need to do? Do you need to throw off some old things? Did you put the new thing on, try and put it on over top? 
Does it seem uncomfortable? Get rid of something in that old life. Now, let me just say this. Life is too big to tackle everything. So pick an area. Pick an issue. So is there some issue you need to get rid of? Or maybe there's something you need to put on that you haven't put on. Or maybe it's up here you need to work on. I pray you will take some time to work on that. Let me pray with you and let you go. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for grace. It's been wonderful for nine weeks talking about it. I pray it's been as beneficial and, uh, to these folks as it's been to me. Uh, we thank you that you grow us. <laughs> uh, all of us have been frustrated trying to do it on our own, I know. And for those who aren't Jesus followers, you, it's even more frustrating. You don't even have access to the power. Uh, you might be able to, out of determination, uh, beat some, a few things, but you can't conquer sin. So thank you, Jesus, that you do that for us. And I pray for anyone that's thinking about following you that they would accept that gift and understand that there is the power to change. Free gift. For most of us who are believers, God, help us to understand the process. Be patient with the process, but understand how we grow. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.